There's a lot of unrest going on in the world today, and we here at Jeff and Merck Present want to do something to try to help out in the small way we possibly can. And so we'd like to take an idea, a great idea, that Tighten Up the Defense had, and we too will be taking all of the Patreon money that we will be collecting for June, and we will be donating it to bail funds. We will also be matching any funds that we donate from our Patreon account. Give what you can, donate what you can, but remember to be safe out there. We need to correct an error we made on episode 57 where we talked about Power Pack issue number 44. We stated that the story was done by Juliana Jones, which was written on the credits page. Now, let me try that again. Which is what was written on the credits page. We were wrong. It was actually John Bogdanov. The editors of Power Pack also pointed that out in future issues. The editors of Power Pack also pointed that out in future issues. We missed that, and we wanted to say sorry. I blame our editor. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks. The Sensational She-Hulk has an interesting proposition for you. Okay, now, this is your second chance. If you don't buy my book this time, I'm going to come to your house and rip up all your X-Men. How much action, excitement, and adventure can one gal take? John Byrne and Bob Wyacek will show you starting in January. Monthly fun from Marvel! Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. I am Rick. And I am Carrie. Random banter is the right of all sentient beings. Random banter time, my friends. Tell me tales of what you've been doing. Till all are one. Till all are one. That's wow. right. That really happened in your life? <laughs> That's a little Optimus Prime quote for you there, Carrie. That's from Transformers, Carrie. Uh, oh. yeah. The fact that I'm listening to uh, two different Transformers podcasts... Means that that's why that's, it's in, that's there. in the old noggin up there. Yeah, that's that's, why that's, that's really there. up in the old yeah. noggin. I, I've also got uh, some of the the IDW books that I started reading. Actually, I got a lot of them downloaded on my electrical device, and I just haven't finished reading them. But I like the series. I've I've got three of the graphic novels in hard print. So oh yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Nice. Now, uh, let's hear what what's new. Um, I'm working from home now, which is nice. I should say that we're recording this on May the 6th, and uh, so we are still in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Huzzah. Boo. Boo. Yeah, I don't think anybody's pro it. So Nobody's pro it. I am pro working from home. That's nice. Um, I have rebuilt some of my downstairs basement. I got a little more soundproofing there. Hopefully the quality is a little bit better. Moved some of the bookshelves over. I've got them all organized. In fact, I've got... More of my graphic novels over here. It looks really nice. I'm going to trade paperbacks. It's really cool. So, yeah. We've we done a lot of work around here. That's, that's what we did. We did a lot of home remodeling kind of projects going on. And I'm really getting this room keyed in. It's really nice looking. Nice. So. That's really cool. Yeah, spread out the desk a bit more so I got more room for monitors. It's quite nice. You need more monitors. I need something to make the monitors that I've got fit. Because I got 
huge behemoth monitor and my laptop monitor, and they didn't both fit on the desk. Now they do. It's quite nice. Cool. Uh, yes, and Carrie helped. Carrie did a lot of help. I also helped with that um, Cat5 cable. Yes, and I, I wired a <laughs> Cat5 cable, and she helped me out with that. It was kind of nice because I needed, you know, somebody small who can get into the crawl space back there. And under the stairs, under like the Harry stair. Potter. Oh, yeah. No, it got to be the uh, the kid that lives under the stairs. And, yeah, it's like uh, Snowpiercer had it right. You need those kids with their nimble little hands to uh, automate a process. So, yeah. I like this idea. Time <laughs> to get back to work, kiddo. Earn your tuppence. Okay, but after that, I'm going to need to take a bath because it's really dusty. <laughs> yes, it was very dusty in here, but now it's, not, now it's a little less dusty, so it's not bad. Not bad, not bad. Okay, uh, what's Jeff's random paper? <laughs> Uh, it's been parade town around here lately. We've been living in a parade. Yeah, it's uh, like the teachers, uh, a local school, uh, the teachers decorated up their cars and stuff and drove around the neighborhoods so that way their students could see them. And so people are standing out on the street, you know, everybody's spaced out, waving at their teachers, and the teachers waving back from the cars and honking horns and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Then some students had a parade doing the same thing, driving around so that way they could wave at their school friends and everything at their homes. And then to get into the party ourselves, we got a bunch of ants in our bathroom. Nice. Nice, nice. Yeah, we've, we've been we've been having that going on oh, too. Oh yeah, we even had to put out um, ants poison. <laughs> yeah, we did the same thing. We, yeah, it was just like you know you'd be sitting in the bathroom looking at the wall and going, "Well, that's a parade of ants. Great." So yeah, calling up the old uh, exterminator guy again and have him come out and then give us a couple of bait traps so we could put them where we need them. And yeah, so that seems to have taken care of the problems. We took care of that parade problem. We put out traps for the school teachers and the students and the ants. Way to be a mass murderer. Well, I don't have a lot of credits to my name, so I got that one. <laughs> yeah, John Leslie Harden would kill an ant just for walking through his bathroom. Jeff, insert middle name Dodd, he is known for many a crime. <laughs> and on that note, mm -hmm. Jeff, can you please give us a two-sentence replay from last episode. Having saved their parents from the clawed clutches of Carmody, Power Pack leaves their in-the-know parents at home to go and fight some streetlights, a car, and a bus before visiting a hospital to have a montage meet-up with their friends, the New Mutants. Well, the day's adventure is done, so the pack heads home to find that their parents have lost just about all of their marbles, but never fear. The new mutants weren't ready to let this crossover end before they helped stuff all of the lost poppers, shooters, thumpers, and smashers back into their parents' marble sacks and saying goodnight to this inferno event. Now that the, well, the parents in the no storyline sure didn't last long, did it? Two sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. Let me hand you a beer so you can find all of your lost marbles. What we got here is we've got some bags that I have tried my best to do correctly, but I think I might have screwed some things up, but I think we got it fixed now. Jeff, open up that bag and see the beer I have chosen for this episode, sir. Okay, let's look. We have Good Life Brewing Company Sippy Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, which is a hazy pale. <laughs> oh, I love this. Uh, I love this cover. This is great. This is a very uh, Northwest hipster lumberjacky kind of looking dude with a very foamy beer mustache. And uh, it's got a little picture of a sippy cup on it. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeff, could you tell me why you think that would fit in with this issue? 
it might fit into this issue because a uh, babysitting plays a very large portion of uh, of this issue. I believe that there was probably even sippy cups in this issue. <laughs> it's because there's a, a one-year-old toddler who would use, be drinking from a sippy cup. So sippy cup is an excellent tie-in to, uh, to what would be going on. That's great. I thought so as well. I really did. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is a fun little one here. And uh, <laughs> this is from Good Life. And this is a ABV 6.4%. The IBU is 35. And uh, you got a little bit of a little reading there you want to do on the back, yeah, don't you? Yeah, it does. It has a little story time. And uh, story time is, This hazy pale utilizes juice yeast from imperial organic yeast, giving big flavors of orange, citrus, and tropical fruit. Eliminate foamy mustache face by getting yourself a sippy cup. <laughs> Open that on up and let's talk a little bit about this and move on with our show. While you're opening that up, I will say that this um, uses a light malt bill with fruit forward hops, galaxy, mosaic, and El Dorado. Melon, pineapple, black tea, and citrus notes are up front in the aroma on this. 6.4% ABV treat. That looks like a nice color. Yeah. Like a honey color. It is. It's a hazy honey color. Opening this up, you can really smell citrus and pineapple. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, you just, can. As soon as I cracked open the can, it was just kind of like, hello, have some fruit. Have yourself some pineapple and citrus. So it's it smells good. It really does. Yeah, it smells good. It looks like a, a very hazy, honey-colored uh, view. Can't really see through it at all. Nope, it's pretty opaque. Got some sediment in it floating around that I can see. A little bit, yeah. Not very fuzzy, but let's try this out. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely am getting that juicy flavor. I'm not getting a heavy hops, which is kind of nice. No. I, I can feel the hops in there, but I'm actually getting a lot more of those citrus and melon and pineapple notes. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling about that? It kind of has a furry texturing that it gives to the tongue. And I think that's just because it is, while it's not excessively like bubbly, it honestly is because you're kind of looking at it. It's like just a bunch of tiny little micro bubbles. So it gets on your tongue and really kind of gives it that little terry cloth mm. coating. Oh, well, this is a... This is quite pleasant. It's got some nice fruit flavors that are in there. This is a good summer day beer. I can definitely see this being on a deck, enjoying a nice summer day drink. Yeah, that would be... Because it's not very too heavy. Yeah, just smelling it, it does really have those fruit notes. Uh, tasting it, it's not as, like, fruit strong. Uh, it, it's not like punch, it's fruit. It's kind of like, yeah, there's, there's fruit, and you get that kind of kind of musty-ish kind of hoppy flavor going, but, but not that like a uh, rusty nail kind of flavor going on. It's 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 not bad, but this would be a very good uh, sitting out on the back deck, warm weathered beer. So yeah, uh, this is an enjoyable brew. I think I'm going to enjoy drinking from my sippy cup as we talk about this issue. Mm-hmm. I'll just drink from my water bottle. Yep, because <laughs> Carrie's way past the need of sippy cups. And now, the opening credits, if you please. Power Pack, issue number 45, April 1989. Who am I this time? Credits. Juliana Jones, special guest scripts. June Brigman, special guest pencils. Hilary Barta, special guest anchor. Joe Rosen, letters. Glennis Oliver, colors. Carl Potts, edits. Tom DeFalco, same old editor-in-chief. Featuring Power Pack. Alex Power, a.k.a. Destroyer. Powerball Dude. Julie Power, a.k.a. Molecula. Mistress of Density. Misty and Bubble Girl, Jack Power, aka Counterweight, Punchy Guy, Katie Power, aka Starstreak, 
Flying Lass. Guest starring the recently recovered power parents, Jim and Maggie, who have been tricked into believing that it was all a bad dream and that their kids do not have superpowers. The Boogeyman is hanging off the spire of the Empire State Building, like a squishy, ugly, marshmallowed King Kong. Green teeth filling his grinning mouth, dangling Maggie and Jim from his fingers as Julie flies by on her bed. Well, I don't remember Julie's bed gaining the light speed power, so this feels like a dream sequence. And if Neil Gaiman has taught me anything, it is that in dreams, there is talking. So what non-sequitur comments are flowing from the recently banished creep's foul face? Oh, something about time flowing like the sands in an hourglass. Your family is doomed to fly apart. You're growing up, and there's nothing she can do about it. Nya, nya, nya. So, just in normal days of their lives monologue. Gotcha. It is pretty creepy stuff, and that is saying something coming out of the pure horror show that was Inferno. As Julie is doing her best Angela Lansbury and David Tomlinson impersonation, the white nightmare blob is telling her that the older she gets, her family of love will fall apart. To emphasize these words, he spreads his fingers wide and lets her family members fall out, broken and in pieces, like so many third graders action figures. Speaking of breaking, we see cracked egg versions of her parents as her flying bed zooms by her apartment. Creepy. Yep. Just as creepy as hearing about how children will eventually leave their mothers as we watch demons rip babies from their mother's arms. No! The preteen girl has screamed herself awake and tumbled out of her bed, waking up her younger sister. After explaining her dreams to Katie and recapping the last few episodes, the younger sister comforts the older sister with a quick hug and assures her that all is well. Thanks to the new mutants mind-tricking their parents to make them forget that their precious progeny have powers. Comics, folks! Comics. Word. Julie's angst is understandable. Jim and Maggie have had their fears put to rest, but the stress of Inferno, her powers, and Julie's graduation from elementary school is causing this young woman to really be stressed. At breakfast that morning, Julie is wearing her middle school graduation gown in front of her mom. Maggie tells her that she and Jim are very proud of their non-powered honors in English grade school graduate. She also says how fast the kids are all growing up. I mean, even Katie will be a first grader when school starts back up. Unsaid, but understood, is the family's overwhelming approval that Jack was not asked to leave the school district this year. Harsh. But probably fair. The parents take their leave of the quartet of secretly powered power kids so they can get some prime photography seats for Julie's graduation. After they leave, the kids talk about how they need to make sure the parents never find out about their powers again, as they have shown that they just can't handle that kind of truth. You can't handle the truth. Nobody can handle the truth. This court's out of order. You're out of order. The court may be out of order, but Maggie still looks a little tired from all their ordeals. But it is nice that the family is all back together again. <laughs> Ring! I got it! Hey, numbskull! Look out! Hello! No fair. Just because she can fly, she always answers the phone. Of course the kids use their powers when their parents leave the house. It's to be expected, really. After all, I would do it too if I had the ability. But who's on the phone? I gotta know. Oh, it's just the Spock and Shockwave Society calling to give Alex their coveted Most Logical Award for talking to himself about how much time and energy is saved when he can just disintegrate meal messes instead of having to clean them up. Really? No, it is actually one of their neighbors who lives in the building. She wants to know if Julie can babysit tomorrow. Her regular sitter is out, and she needs someone to watch Tommy, who is a very good little boy. Um, Mannequin Lawyer wants me to point out that that is a lie. 
Tommy looks to be about a year old and is covering his mom in split peas and trying to blind her. Uh, Jeff, 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 you okay there, buddy? Your your eye is kind of twitching a little bit. It must be the Skype connection. I don't have PTSD. I'm fine. I'm fine, I say. Alrighty then. Julie excitedly accepts the job. Alex points out that she should ask mom and dad first, but Julie just hand waves that away, saying she is more grown up and responsible now. Then, to really showcase this statement, she realizes that she is running late for her graduation. Oh no! Time means nothing to a girl who can fly at the speed of a cloud. She heads through the city and lands in an alley just behind her friends, the twins, Ruth and Jenny, who had just about given up on waiting for her. Apparently, they make it to the graduation on time because we get to see Julie receive the traditional rolled up piece of paper for her troubles from a pair of congratulatory hands. The parents and kids are all really happy and excited. And they should be. They are celebrating the fantastic, normal, everyday accomplishments of life with friends and family, taking goofy pictures and making fun memories. Julie, her parents, and some of her friends head to the Central Park where the rest of the Power family has set up a picnic with Alex, Alex's girlfriend, Allison, and some Roy Rogers chicken. <laughs> Roy Rogers chicken. Have you ever eaten at a Roy Rogers restaurant? No. I just... Love food that comes in bucket-sized portions. Settle down, Buckethead. What else are the kids up to? Well, Jeff, I'm glad you asked. There is a cute scene with Julie and her friends playing badminton with Katie. As they are playing, the older girls talk about the fears they have about going to junior high. They have heard rumors that the school they are going to is pretty rough. People get mugged in the halls, and some have even been killed. Allison, sitting nearby with Alex, assures them that while it's tough, nobody has been killed. She does tell them that they have to look and act tough, and it helps to have a guy like Alex around that will protect you. <laughs> Alex? Have a guy like Alex around to protect you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that is Julie's general consensus, too. She says that it's amazing that Allison is even still alive then. The girls want Allison to give them pointers on how to look more tough and grown up. Maggie, overhearing this, advises the girls that growing up isn't something on the outside. It's the confidence that they have to have on the inside. And then she pulls out a birthday cake. A birthday cake? But why? Because it's Julie's birthday today, of course. Hooray! Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you, Julie. Happy birthday to you. Cha, cha, cha. You know what? Now looking back on this, I think we just made this really awkward. Nah. Everyone on panel was singing it too, so we cool. Back to the comic. With all the blowing out the candles and a silent wish that her parents would let her babysit, it is time to get our cake on. After cake, Julie starts to open her presents and oohs and ahs over a dinky dinosaur given to her by her friend Jeannie. Maggie sees this and wistfully thinks that she is glad that her little girl is not growing up too fast. Don't be too eager. Cherish your childhood. Oh, Maggie, if only you knew. Hmm, actually you did know, but you have been made to forget. So, never mind. Later that night, Julie is talking with her parents about babysitting their neighbor's kid. While her dad is hesitant, Maggie supports the idea. Julie will only be an elevator right away if there is any trouble she needs help with. Boy's only a year old. How much trouble can he be? Hey, Jeff. Your eye's twitching again. You okay, bud? Yep. Yep. 
just fine. Okay. Even later that night, when everyone is supposed to be asleep, Julie is still up and really trying to figure out if she is a grown-up or just a little girl. This is an interesting scene as Julie writes down a pro-con list, trying to figure it out if she is grown-up or not. By her count, her list is a zero-sum game, so she needs a tiebreaker, something that will cement who she now is as a person. So, as anyone would, she decides that babysitting is just what the doctor ordered. If she can successfully babysit the baby without using her powers, then she is really an adult. And, if she has to use her powers, then she wasn't ready for the job and is still a little girl. Wow, I'm thinking about that. By that standard, I guess I am a real boy. Er, I mean, real man now. No, Jeff, you are not. Ouch, that, that hurts. Can you give me a band-aid for my owie? No. The next day is babysitting day. Julie says goodbye to the Williams as they are sprinting out the door, relishing in the freedom of being away from their child for one blessed night. Love you, Carrie. Gee, thanks. As soon as the door closes, Julie gives herself a last-second pep talk. This is it. I hope I can do it. It's just me, my future, and Tommy. Good pep talk. Let's see how it holds up now that the training wheels are off of your bike. Guess what? Tommy's a screamer! Hooray! Julie runs into Tommy's room to see what's wrong. Maybe Tommy is lonely. Okay, maybe if she starts simple, a ball. They could play with a pretty, pretty colorful ball. Maybe a teddy bear will do the trick? Look at how happy the teddy bear is! Um, uh, what if, what if she stands on her head? That's funny, right? Isn't it funny? Oh, please, please, dear God, say that it's funny and nothing to cry about. Hey, wait, no crying. We've struck gold. This entertains the little rug rat, especially when Julie loses her balance and tumbles over. That makes Tommy laugh. And the two bond over her pratfall. This is going to be a cakewalk. Yep, it is a sure thing. In fact, Julie is so confident that she starts to cook her own dinner of mac and cheese while giving Tommy his baby dinner. Tommy seems to be much more interested in that good old American processed cheese instead of his soft baby food, a fact emphasized as he spits out the first bite across the room. Julie is still under the impression that she can reason with this id machine, explaining that food stays in the mouth and that we use spoons to eat and not our hands. Unfortunately for her, Tommy is more interested in throwing food and flinging utensils. Then Tommy decides that his food plate is a dual purpose because he can use it as a hat. And it looks good on him. It will look even better on Julie. It all started off so well. What happened? It's going to be a long night. Yes, it will be, Julie. A long night that stretches into what feels like a hundred years of dark, shadowy doom that resets each and every day. Well, Julie's not there yet. She is still determined to make some lemonade out of that soft, mushy food laying all around. She takes the tiny terror from his high seat and starts to clean him up, only to realize... Her mac and cheese is boiling over! Oh no, Mr. Bill! Okay, time to triage. Boiling a hot mess that is only going to get worse, then food-covered baby. She gets as far as turning off the stove and pulling the pot, but then she realizes that the crazy kid has crawled off! Some quick searching finds the baby in her parents' room, tossing clothes from the dirty laundry hamper everywhere. Julie moves him to the living room in his toy bin while she collapses onto the couch. 
No time for collapsing, Dr. Jones. It's time to take an alphabetical block to the top of your thinker as the Tornado Todd tosses his toy. Julie uses her bonus action to activate her second wind and lays down the law. She is in charge. And no snot-nosed little diaper wetter is going to boss her around. No, sir. So let's change that wet diaper. Funny you should say that, because as soon as she takes off his diaper, he takes off. Like, off. That's okay as she can catch him. Since he is half undressed, Julie makes the command decision that now is a great time for a bath. Oh, good boss thinking. This kid has upended and thrown everything that he has gotten his hands onto. So, let's introduce water into this mix. Yeah, let's just say that he hydrates the bathroom well. Julie, too. You sure do have rinsing down, don't you? The drenched and de-energized babysitter gets the busy baby clean and dry. Her reward for a job well done is to take a moment for reflection and recognition of how hard it is to take care of a baby. Wait, the baby! Where's the baby? Oh, he took off again to cause more mischief. Ah, oh, and what is he into now? Why, MTV, of course. Why is he watching reality TV? What is MTV? Okay, first, he isn't watching reality TV. This is MTV of the late 80s. It was a cable station that used to show music videos. Why didn't they just see them on YouTube? And moving on. The music appears to be soothing the savage beast, and after allowing the frantic boy to dance his little booty off, he finally falls asleep. Unfortunately, the Williams will be home in a half hour and the house is trashed. Julie bites her pride and calls her parents, not to ask them for help, but to call on her brothers and sisters. Her excuse is that, you know, the baby's asleep and she's bored. While waiting for her siblings to show, she revisits her list from earlier. She's depressed in her performance. She made it through the night, but she needs help from her siblings to clean up the apartment. She feels like she's just not grown up yet. Soon, Power Pack shows up and Julie tells them the problem. I don't know if this is worth using our powers for. Julie points out that if they do not use their powers, she, their sister, their favorite sister, is dead meat. Save your sister, Jack. Save her. With a... Costumes, costumes on. on! The kids attack their next villain, the deadly mess of a small child. Hey, wait a minute. Kitty's on dirty laundry duty, flying around the room and quickly putting all the adults' shirts and bras into their proper place in the hamper. Jack and Julie double-team the main room and the toys, with Julie using her bubble field to collect and then funnel the toys into their toy box. Having handled the kitchen catastrophe, Alex disintegrates the flood of water from the bathroom and gives it that deep-down shine that cleaning commercials talk about. In record time, the place is clean. Finished just as the Williams return home. But not before Julie gives Alex her list to disintegrate. It mentions her powers, so she wants it destroyed. The Williams ask how the evening went, and Julie explains that Tommy stayed up a little late, but there was no trouble. The parents accept this lie and hand over some cash to Julie. Even later that night, the whole Power Family pack is sitting around eating ice cream. Julie has used her payment to buy ice cream for everyone, which is really classy. Her mom does notice that Julie is a little melancholy. She explains that she does not know what she's supposed to be. A little girl, a junior high schooler, a babysitter, a mixture of carbon and water. Maggie lays out this thesis. Julie is growing up and is figuring out who she is. But this is not a binary thing, and it does not have to be decided in a day. Maggie is an adult with many hats, but she also is a daughter to her father. This segues into Jim announcing that the family has been through a lot, and it is time for them to take a vacation. Get away from the city for a bit. Woohoo! About time! I'm ready for a vacation! Yeah, me too. But we're not going to get to go on that vacation quite yet. Why not? 
Well, because we have a couple of fill-in issues first, and I want to bring in another out-of-place, out-of-time short story first. So next episode, we will check out Girl Comics number 3 from July 2010, which features a Wheezy Simonson story called The Job. And then, after that, get out your battle wig and show us your P.I. badge. It will be time for Power Pack, The Punisher, and Dakota North. Hey, let's look at the cover. That's a great idea. I think it's time for Power Pack packaging time. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so we have a cover here drawn by June Brigman and Hilary Barda, which is a great pair. And I like this cover. Actually, Jeff, why don't you describe it? The entirety of it is a nice brown background color, and at the very top, in kind of a scary font above Power Pack, it says, Daddy's Little Girl. On the cover for the art, you know, there's a little, there's a little sidebar that says, Revenge of the Boogeyman Epilogue. And it has a picture of Julie, and she's making her uh, bubble force field kind of thing, except in all the bubbles is a picture of Carmody, or the Boogeyman's demonic face. So it's kind of like, oh, this is going to be like Carmody's coming back or something. It's Julie alone fighting Carmody. Or it's Julie having some angst about her dealings with Carmody. So, Carrie, is this a lying cover? Yes. You are correct. <laughs> yes. Sure, it has something to do with Boogeyman, but guess what? It has the first two pages that are dealing with a nightmare that Julie has with the Boogeyman, and then after that, not so much. You can say possibly that her nightmare kind of starts her angst about is she an adult or is she a kid, but it, there is a disconnect there. I like this cover. Do not get me wrong. I think this cover is awesome. It just has zilch to do with this issue. Yeah, it really yeah, does. I like this one. No, it's beautiful. It looks great. It really right. does. The one thing about it is that it does put in my mind that this is about Julie dealing with something, which in that sense, yes, true. it's correct. Very true. It's just not the thing that she's dealing with. <laughs> Did anybody else have anything to say about the cover of this book? No, I think you covered it great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's a beautiful looking cover though. It really is. So Jeff, I've got an idea. Yeah, what's that, Rick? My idea is that I think we should get somebody who's an expert at this book to talk about what's actually in the book. Well, uh, do you have anybody in mind? I kind of do. I think we should get the writer in. That is an excellent idea. But do you think we're going to be able to get her on such short notice? I don't know. Let me call her up. Beep, boop, 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 beep, boop, boop. Hi, Juliana Jones. How are you doing? Hello, Rick. Nice to talk to you. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Juliana. What a surprise to get your phone call. <laughs> I know. It's such a surprise. It's, it's totally... not like we planned this at all. Oh, and right? It's like... Oh, and we have Carrie with us, too. Hi, Carrie. Yeah, I'm a big surprise here. Hello. <laughs> I'm glad you're here, too. Yeah, Jeff called me. Mm. Yeah. I had a pretty it's good been... phone. It's been people calling people here. That's what we got going on. Yeah. Next thing we know, Julianne's call Juliana's calling Jeff. I know, and it's just one giant group call, and while we have everybody together, maybe we should talk to Juliana about this issue. Yeah, great idea. Let's do it. Okay, if she's going for it, I'm for it too. I'm ready. That's and that's the moment that I lost control of the show. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very, very much for joining us. This is this is really an honor for us. Uh, we are big fans of, of course, your parents. And we are big fans of yours as well because we like these books. We like the books that you've done for Power Pack. And we've been hoping that we can talk to you. And I had an opportunity, thanks to your mom. I'm just glad that you were willing to come on and talk to us about your memories of growing up with this and your memories of writing this book and just talking a little bit about Power Pack with us. 
Well, my pleasure. Uh, anybody who's a fan of Power Pack has to be pretty okay. So I figured, let's do it. Yay. Let's have a conversation for sure about something that's really great. That is fantastic. Let's just start off with the basics. How was it just growing up surrounded by so many different comic book creators? I mean, it, it, not only your mom and Walt, but... According to what I've read about where Louis Simonson started living in New York, she was kind of living in a building surrounded by a bunch of comic book creators. So that had to be interesting. <laughs> what was that like? It, well, you'd think, I think it was probably kind of lost on me. You know, your parents are your parents and you go, oh, they do this, they do that. You're in your own world, you're in your own life. Certainly all these fantastic creators were always coming through, having dinners, but I mean, my mother and Walt are the nicest people. And you'll hear so many people say that. They're so nice and they take so many people under their wing. My mom is so supportive and encouraging to, I mean, that's what made her such a fantastic editor when she was an editor. You know, she was able to work with people. She's supportive. She finds the nugget of the person or the thing that they were created and takes that and sort of encourages people. Says, yeah, this is great. Why don't you try this? Let's do this. This is awesome. Go with that. You know, and so, and I think a lot of people gravitated to them. So there were a lot of people that came around the house, you know, to the apartment, I should say. Because um, we, you know, we were living in New York City, and it was, you know, it, they're just—they're very fun-loving people. Everything's very relaxed. We had, you know, there were always fun conversations, but and toys. I guess a lot of toys. Even still, my my children think that they have awesome grandparents because there's always, you know, like the bathroom has superhero characters all over. The, all the paintings and the drawings on the wall are of comic pages and issues. So it's, um, it was a lot of fun, but I, I can't say you'd think that I would have read comics every day of my life, but I did not. I loved Archie comics, and I got into the romance comics as I got older, but I did not read a lot of superhero comics, I'm afraid. That is, was just not my, uh, not my thing much. So there I was in the perfect atmosphere, and it was, not, not, it was kind of lost on me, terrible me. <laughs> but did you read other things besides the Archie comics and uh, the romance comics? Did you read other books? I did read some books. I was more, I'm, I guess I have to say that I was more of an auditor, like a, the stories coming into my ears. Walter is a fantastic storyteller and we would sit around in the evening and he would read out loud. Well, my mom read Little House in the Prairie out loud as a group and you know, we would read that and then Walter would read the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit or, and so I think listening to stories more than like it doesn't, doesn't go into my eyes as well as my ears so I was kind of more of a story listener than a story reader as I get older I guess I I did read I was a reluctant reader I have to say I didn't read a whole whole lot when I was young which is interesting because now I'm a children's librarian as one of my jobs so I push books all the time on children <laughs> And I push graphic novels, definitely, always. <laughs> That's funny. It's funny that you'd be surrounded by it so much. And it, but I could also kind of see that going like, yeah, it's my folks' things. Yeah, it's, it's their thing. It's their thing. thing. I've got my own thing. Why would I do that? Right. But exactly. uh, to an earlier thing that you were saying, mm -hmm. everything that we've heard about your mom from people who have talked to her at conventions and stuff are like, this lady is just genuine and she just, you never hear anything bad about your mom, which is wonderful to see. Yes. Because there's so many times where you're like, oh, I'm really into this person or this musician or something. And then it's like, 
oh, but then I mm. found out about them. But literally right. everything about Wheezy has just always been like, just how delightful of a human being she is. Yeah. And it's all the truth. She's, uh, yeah, that is, that is my mom for sure. She's uh, a fantastic person. <laughs> that's great. And I'm, I'm under the belief that she raised some amazing children as well. So that's, that's what I'm trying to say. Is I don't it know seems, about that. It seems that it, it seems that the apple didn't fall far from the tree and that you are a wonderful person as well. So. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Your mom told us that uh, she used you and your friends as inspiration. Is that true? And what did they think of that? They thought it was very cool. Anytime that they showed up in a story, you know, what isn't? So that's amazing. That's good. You know, that's super cool to find yourself in print or in a story. I think they probably got more excited and thought that the job, you know, that my, the fact that they worked for comics, you know, that was super, super Super cool. So they loved having that, you know, having the appearances. I know that, you know, Jenny and Ruth in the story uh, were Julie's good friends in the story. And in real life, they were my very best friends and continue to be. I'm still, I mean, years later, I met Jenny, what we say online, where we were before (laughs) computers, but we were lined up to go into sixth grade. And uh, so we were all online. And we, uh, our parents started, our mothers started talking to each other. And that's how we ended up being friends. And because Jenny and Ruth are twins, I obviously got to know Ruth. And uh, we've been, you know, we're still the best of friends. So that's, they're super important in my life. And they were for Julie's. And I have to say that Julie, although, you know, you'd like to think the name was obviously sort of inspired by my name, but I think Julie's kind of a mixture between my mother and myself because my mom was a super avid reader as a, as a child, just the way Julie is. And like I said, I don't, you know, reading wasn't my, probably math, Carrie, was more of my strong points, math and science than, um, than reading. But Anyway, it was, they, they did. And I have to say, Ruth, later on, had a chance to model for some Kitty Pride pictures. So she, in the X-Men, so she got a chance to be... Um, really? Yeah, so she got a chance to kind of do some stuff for, for, you know, having to do with Kitty Pride. And then Jenny, later on, did some modeling for my biological father for some paintings and stuff. So anyway, yeah, they, they, they folded in, in and out of all, the, <laughs> all of it. And they loved every minute of it. So who wouldn't, you know? That's so cool. It is. It's fun. That is neat. I had no clue about that, but it makes sense because once again, your parents were very much into the comic book community and hey, we need to use, I mean, your mom was a model for the House of Mysteries, the first appearance of Swamp Thing. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, all right there. And that's, you know, and that was sort of part of it. Maybe I just, it was so common to see people dressing up and modeling and and posing for photographs so that you could use it for reference as an artist, that it was all sort of part of it. You know, it was like dress up all the time. (laughs) That's just what you did. So that's, I don't know, maybe it was not special enough just because it was all around me. Anyway, I mean, it was special. I found it super special. I shouldn't put it off, but I'm just saying as a kid, it was like, meh. That's good. Yeah. It's it's what you were used to. It's what you grew yeah, up exactly. with. So how is this outside of the norm? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. It's what everybody does, right? <laughs> I would hope so. Raps, that sounds like a sheets. great way to grow up. I know, right? Wrap sheets around yourself and hold up a, a broom <laughs> as a sword. Why not? You did that? Well, that was, I, uh, that oh, was, was a really? comic book. Yeah. Where Julie oh, was. Okay. Oh, maybe I did. I don't know. I don't remember. That was a long time ago. I'm sorry. <laughs> Carrie has some questions to ask you. Go so, for it, Carrie. She has been waiting patiently. I'm going to go ahead and have her ask her questions now. Did you ever 
wish he had Julie's powers? If not, what is your favorite power? That is a good question. I like Julie's powers out of all of the Power Pack characters. Her powers are my favorite. I would love to be able to know how to fly. I have never flown in any of my dreams, and I think it would be super Super great. And honestly, the cloud power, getting big and small, or the, you know, Jack's power, Alex's power with the gravity, I don't know, sticking to walls or picking up heavy objects never seemed that, you know, interesting to me. And then Katie's with, I mean, I guess absorbing that stuff and shooting off electric balls seemed a little dangerous. But I think the speed of Julie's and that rainbow, I have to say, I was a girly girl. So I liked sparkly things and rainbows and going speeding fast, especially when you're growing up in Manhattan where you have to walk everywhere. And it, you know, you just walk one to another. If you could just zip to your friend's house super fast, that would have been the best. So, yes, I think she had the best power of them all. But don't tell Alex, Jack, and uh, Katie I said so. I'm going to add another question onto here anyways, but how did you come up with the story? That story came from an inspiration, I guess. Well, there's several layers in the story. I did do a lot of babysitting when I was little, so I did have, I like to think maybe I was a little better at it than poor Julie at her her first step, you know, go at it there where Tommy did quite a a job making a mess all around Julie as she was trying to take care of him. But uh, I did do a lot of babysitting. Yes, he was very messy. And she, he got the whole place messy, messy enough for her to have to call her uh, sister and brothers. Let's see. But as the other part of the story, I guess, the sort of the meaningful part of the story where Julie is worried about growing up, that did impress upon me. I actually had dollhouses that I played with with my, my very best friends. Not It was a little girl, actually, funny enough, named Jennifer. And so I had my dollhouses in my room for a very long time. And I was probably 11 maybe even 12 when I was still using them. And I knew that I was probably getting a little old to be playing with dollhouses, but I loved them so much. And when I got to be 12, you no longer qualify for kids' meals. And so there you are. All of a sudden, you're too old for kids' meals, yet you're playing with kids' things. You still like to do things like run around, and you don't want to be part of the boring conversation that adults are having. And you still like stuffed animals, so it's like a real pull. Okay, am I supposed to be big? Am I supposed to have the adult meals? Or am I supposed to be a little kid who really likes to play with stuffed animals and dolls? So I think that that was something that I remember feeling as I was turning about that 11, 12-year-old age. And so I kind of thought, well, maybe Julie might feel the same way as she was growing up also. And I think in the story too, I think Julie has her birthday party at the park, which is something that uh, I always did. Yes. Does like a little picnic and she plays badminton or something. That's exactly right. And I always had my birthday parties at the park because I have a summer birthday. So I never got a chance to have a birthday party in school, one of those awesome school parties. So my mother would schedule a party at the very end of June when school was over, before school was over, so that my friends could be there. Because in the summer, everybody's so busy, they go away. So I was able to have some friend parties. And then I would have my real birthday in July, but I'd have a June party in the park, in Central Park. So let's see, what was the original question? Oh, about inspiration. So I guess, I know, I went off track. My childhood, I was influenced, I think, by uh, my own childhood for Julie, for this story. Okay, so I was going to add this last question, so I may not say this correctly. What's your favorite pet? And do you even have a pet? I do have a pet. I have a little dog right now. We just got her over Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a cat who's kind of grouchy. And uh, But I 
<laughs> Growing up, I didn't have any dogs. So this is, you know, because in New York City, you know, you have to walk a dog, you have to take it down to the street, you know, it's kind of a trouble. But our, my first word was cat. So how about that? Apparently, that was, we had a, we took my mother, took in a stray that sort of wandered, I don't know, they somehow took the cat in. I thought it was amazing. And so I called it cat, or they called it cat, because that's all I could say was cat. But then I started calling everything cat. Squirrels were cats, dogs were cats, everything. I'd go through the park, cat, cat. So, um, so anyway, the question was, do I have a favorite? So did you ask a favorite animal? Yeah, a favorite animal. Hmm. I think I like otters out of all animals, though. I have a pet, but I do like otters because they're super playful and cuddly. They float on seaweed while they're sleeping. <laughs> they do. They do. And they use shells to crack open or uh, rocks to crack open their shells, I believe, so they can get some good snacks. Oh, and I hear they have armpit pockets. <laughs> I had no idea. I think I still like them, even if they have armpit pockets. Hey, armpit pockets can be useful. You can just store stuff in there. <laughs> I think that would be amazing. I might might look into that. <laughs> That's really a funny fact. Th- these are the facts that we now learn thanks to the internet and having a nine-year-old and being stuck at home. So, getting back to the story. <laughs> Where there's no otters. <laughs> there should have been. There should have been otters, but there were not. There were. Instead, there was a deep, meaningful conversation about growing up. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's no, right. you're fine. No, I love- we just we just kind of we kind of roll with it. It's all good. It's all good. Tangents um, are what we do. <laughs> we we thrive on tangents and leave it to me to edit up and make sense out of it later on. It's all good. Whose idea was it for you to write these issues of Power Pack? Who approached you to do it? You know, honestly, I don't remember that part of the story because I am not by nature. I mean, I, it's not a something I want to do or to be a writer. And I, I mean, goodness knows I feel like the bar was set so high. I don't, how could I possibly, I pale in comparison. I'm sure that my mother must have, you know, I mean, just the way, you know, Carrie's part of your podcast. My mother is, and like I said, she's super supportive. There must have been a point where she was like, hey, are you interested in writing, uh, you know, doing an issue? Because I know that they, they had to plug in extra writers and artists here and there to kind of make it all, to, to make sure there were no gaps in the stories, because sometimes mm-hmm. it takes longer to draw or to, you know, things just happen in creating a story. So they have other fill-in writers or authors, and I'm sure it must have been my mother. It was like, hey, you want to just have a shot at this? You have some things that, you know, stories, or maybe we were sitting around dinner one time, and I was, and she was like, that would make a good story. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I, you know, I was familiar with the process, how you have to kind of, you know, you write the story, and you submit it to the editor, and then they do the illustrations, and then you're, you know, you get it back to try to script it and fill in the, the word balloons. And so it, I don't know, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was uh, nerve-wracking. How old were you when you wrote the stories? I was in college. I must have been 21 or 22. So I was old. I know you'd think, oh, she was a kid. She might, she was, well, but no, that's right. No, no, no shade on the story. <laughs> no, 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 no shade on the story. I'm just saying, um, but yeah, no, I was, I was in college. I, was, I remember doing it. Maybe she thought I needed money. <laughs> maybe she was like, oh, Juliana, maybe, you know, you're in college. You should try to earn a few bucks. I didn't follow the superhero-y part of it, the fact mm-hmm. that the boogeyman uh, was in this issue that I feel like had to get folded in just because they have to keep some kind of interesting mm-hmm. 
storyline, like that was kind of the, the, what was impressed upon me. It was like, when you start a story, you start it off so that you catch the reader. So when they open up the first page and they're looking at it, they're like, what? They want to pick it up and walk out of the store with it. Cause it's, so you, you started off strong and you started off with a, something super gripping so that, you know, poor Julie's having this terrible nightmare. Is, is that Carl Potts or Jim Shooter shooting that, that you're, you're trying to talk like? I, oh, that's so funny. Jim Shooter's the one where you got the lesson about storytelling and that you tell a story, and maybe you've heard this before, using Little Miss Muffet as a guide. So with Little, have you heard this before? No. No? Um, so you, so like, like as in Little Miss Muffet, Little Miss Muffet, so you've established your character, sat on a tuffet, you set up the setting, eating her curds and whey, what your characters are doing, along came the spider, so you introduce your conflict or your problem, sat down beside her, and frightened Miss Muffet away, the resolution. Conclusion. So that's storytelling 101. <laughs> At least that's what that was explained to me. And, and the, Jim Shooter. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. I know. <laughs> right? That's yeah, great. yeah. I've never heard that before. That's great. No. Isn't that fun? It works. That works. It does sort of but, work on a very realistic level. What we have read of your writing, we have liked it. We have liked it a lot. You may not have had the polish of more seasoned writers, but you had a strong influence by your mom. You had another strong, in another really strong influence by Walt. And then you also had some editors that were not going to steer you wrong. I mean, Carl no, Potts sure. as an editor, he really tied a lot of things together. And you can see his hand really guiding a lot of the stories. Mm -hmm. They weren't going to just throw you in the deep end and just say, have fun. So I, I think you did a fantastic job. And they're, they're good stories. They're good work. The one we're talking about tonight, I mean, it's a really good contemplative slice of life. What do these kids do in their normal lives and how does, you know, maybe being a superhero is affecting it, but they're also dealing with all the other things as well of I'm growing up, I'm graduating, I'm moving beyond, but I still like these little dolls. The, the superhero parts are kind of at the beginning and at the end. Yeah. Her, her brothers and sister do not need to come up and use their powers to clean up. They could have cleaned up without using their powers. So you added the powers in and it's like, yeah, you were adding the powers in to show they got powers. Yeah. And it's funner to do it that way. But at the same time... Yes, isn't that, you know, what we'd all really liked? You know, if you have to do the dishes, yeah, you can do the dishes. But hey, if you could just do them by, you know, <laughs> right, zapping them, fantastic job done. I can go, you know, with off with my toys or my books or whatever I could do <laughs> sooner. So that's like your, that's the fantasy fun part of it. And But for sure, the character development and characters are, are something that I find the most interesting I, in real life and just uh, you know just people in general why do people do the things they do what are what makes us tick what makes people feel and think the way they do so i think that that i find that super interesting and i find that when we have stories i read i uh, really appreciate the character realm I mean, it's like harry potter awesome love it but i really love the characters that jk rowling creates in that story so that's you know part of what draws me to stories the way the characters act and feel and think. I like stories. I make stories. Do you? I make you a right? series with my friends. That's awesome. That's how you start, right? That's how, that's it. I drew comic. I drew stories and comics too. Do remember doing that too? Having comics and illustrations. Now that's how you're bringing. That's jogging my memory. <laughs> Is that I? I remember drawing and 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 writing my own stories and comics too when I was little. That's so funny. I wonder where those are. Anyway, that's fantastic, Carrie. Good for you. Thanks. We'll get you published someday, too. <laughs> That'd be cool. I love the fact that your stories are slice of life. 
it's like, yeah, anybody could go and fight the aliens on the moon and do that. Yeah, that's we, everybody's seen that story. But I like the aspect where it's like, yeah, this is a superhero, but she's babysitting and graduating. Yeah, this is really great. Okay, what about this one? Well, Mean Girls have stolen her stuffed animal that she was going to give to her grandpa. Well, that's interesting. I love the uh, slice of life stuff. I absolutely love that. So I, I love the storytelling that you do with that. I think like we all are so many people, you know, we're mothers or fathers or sons and friends, and, you know, I don't know, wives or husbands or something that, so they, that's true of these children, that they really are children first and they didn't seek these powers out. They were given these powers and now they still have to grow up and they still have to do the things that kids have to do. But now they have the responsibility of these superpowers. And I think that's what part of what makes the power pack them aside from the fact that they're really neat characters, you know, they still have to grow up and they have to do it with these powers and they're trying, you know, just all of it's, it's all just, it's so much fun. I was an only child. I think that was something that I thought was pretty, would have been pretty neat too, is to have siblings like, like Jack and, I mean, you just have siblings. My mother grew up with, uh, you know, there was a whole slew of no, no brothers, all, they were all girls, all sisters. So I think she knew about, you know, having to, to live and to deal with their, you know, siblings. Yeah. But reading the stories, I was like, yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? It's like Little Women, <laughs> all that stuff too. You know, just having a, a tribe of siblings to have to deal with. That Which could fun. be neat. I know Carrie's an only child. Uh, my daughter Aurora is an only child as well. So it is kind of that whole, it would be nice to have more family form because then you have somebody that can they can relate to or kind of like, here's a burden that I have to bear, but I can share it amongst my, my peers, which is also my family. So. That's right. Well, then you get really good friends. That's what I did. Then you yeah, get and you get a built-in friend, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they are my like my sisters. So talking about writing the siblings and writing Power Pack, it is very interesting how well you wrote that sibling interactions and once again, being an only child. So that's just another point to very creative writing. Is that Was that your wish fulfillment of how you would like to interact with your brothers and sisters if you ever had any probably yeah they're they're so nice to each other that i think uh, and that was one of the lessons my mother after coming out of my mother would always have taught me like we came out of um i don't know watching something once and she was like did you get that did you hear what was the, the real lesson there was be nice and so there it was and that's kind of i think the bottom line i think is <laughs> Be nice, the lesson behind all of it. So that was, uh, you know, the, the fact that the siblings are there for each other. You know, maybe they bicker every once in a while, but they're, they, they did. They and came so up, they helped Julie clean up. That was awesome. And then Julie gave them all ice cream. So it was like a win-win for everybody. Yeah, I loved at the end of that with the, with her buying the ice cream, especially where it's like, oh, the, the dad just paid her, uh, you know, gave her a $10 bill. Yeah, that went to ice cream, and then maybe some more had to go into that, too. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> she just get, got an experience in ice cream out of that. <laughs> yep. What flavor do you think they all got? Like, the mom has pink, so is that, like, strawberry? Probably. I would think so. Can't think of another pink flavor. Are there colors on them? See, now, yeah. that's something, if we're talking about writing, that's something that I would not have included in the story when I'm writing. I would be like, yep, they're sitting around eating ice cream. Mm -hmm. But it's the, illustra the illustrator then who gets, or the colorist in this part, probably I'm part of it, who gets to have. So it, it's, that's what's so, so really re great. I mean, I guess about a, a lot of mediums, not just comic books, but that everybody gets a chance to kind of be part of the story. I guess that's true in movies too. 
but you know, like the, the writer certainly does part of it, but the illustrations are just as much of a, you know, sometimes, well, I don't know that more, but anyway, it's a, it's a good marriage. It's like, it's, it works together and they support each other to create a fantastic story. So I didn't write what, whose flavor had who that was decided by one other part of the creative team. I'm guessing the mom and Katie have strawberry, Alex and Jack have chocolate, the dad has lime, and Julie has lemon. Hmm, maybe, or it's mint chip, although it doesn't have black spots, but that's my favorite is mint chocolate chip. Yes. I know that you said that you have children. Do you see them having a future of keeping the family tradition of writing comics alive, kind of a a legacy career? I can't say so necessarily. Isn't that interesting? My son, he's... Uh, he's 27. He's has he's very good with languages, and so he's been to Japan. He's very he's fluent in Japanese, and he works for a Japanese company. Not that he isn't creative. Actually, he's a very good writer. He's he's a very good writer, and so he writes. You know, he he writes well. But he's kind of writing not necessarily for you know creative purposes. Mm-hmm. Certainly not comics and storytelling. My daughter, who's 25, 24, she. My poor middle child, who I can't remember how old she is. Um, she uh, she's an artist. She's a like a, she works in three dimensions, like a sculptor, I guess, sculpture. Oh. Um, so she's I, my son, who who has to you know wears a suit and he goes to work. He's, he's kind of the black sheep of the family because he has a real nine to five job. But you know, like she's part of the creative end. So she'll you know she right now she's just great. You know she's out of school and she's working for other artists and she's creating her own stuff. But it doesn't seem to be in the field of comics, okay. <laughs> sort of following the fine arts uh, end of it. And then my thirteen year old is yet to see. She uh, she won an award for a Halloween story that she wrote, or not a Halloween story. That's just a story that she wrote this year at school. So she got you know she won the contest and got a gift card or something. So there's that. But she doesn't read many comics. So I have to. Yeah. See. I mean, I guess she reads reads graphic novels. Maybe that's like the modern day comics. It's easier to get them in those little collected trade books where you can go. That's kind of how I'd do it before. Or be like, oh. I can get six months in one go. I don't have to keep track of anything. Okay, I got the story. Yeah. Yes, and I'm a big proponent for the graphic novels. I have a, you know, the, like I said, I, you know, one of my jobs is a, a children's librarian. So I have a, you know, a nice section in my little library for all for graphic novels. And you know, I'll hear parents sometimes, the kids are like perusing their shelves or, and they'll be like, oh, you know, why don't you get a real book? And I'm thinking, no, this is a real book. Yeah. I'm like, this is it. Kids are reading. Like it, you know, do it. As long as they're reading something, who cares kind of what it is. And the vocabulary in some of these graphic novels, you're certainly learning a lot. It's not for (laughs) everyone because trying to balance between pictures and words, I think, truly is tough for some people to read. That's not their jam. But this is, that's it. Let them read. There's some good stuff out there in comics, you know. I love all this, you know, I don't know. There's, I mean, they're winning awards too. You got Caldecott and Newberry award-winning graphic novels. It's the real deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of reading, what are you reading now? I don't really read adult fiction because I'm in, because I'm, you know, back there, I'm trying to keep up with what the kids are reading. So I often read juvenile fiction and YA fiction. That's probably what I, you know. Any good recommendations for a target audience? I know. What do you like to read? Do you like fiction or fantasy or I like fantasy and fiction it's like my favorite it's like I like the way the art is if like an animal is talking I'm like oh have you read the amulet series the amulet graphic novels I'm still reading that 
Yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. And Bone? We ha- I do have the first collection of Bone. I don't think she's read it yet, but I do have the first collection of that. Yeah, Bone's great. And El Defo, I really love that too. That's a bunny who's, she's a, like, a, I don't know if she's hard of hearing. She's like hearing impaired. It's an autobiographical story. And it's told, the, the characters are bunny rabbits, but she, she's deaf and she, she's, or hard of, I guess, hearing impaired. Anyway, it's, that's a fantastic story well, I too. Think, I think I see people reading that book every once in a while. Next time, when you have a few minutes. It's a good one. You were saying that a child librarian is one of your jobs. What are the uh, other jobs that you have? I'm a preschool uh, teacher and director. So I live in a town where it's a very small library. And so I'm just part-time there as the librarian. I do a lot of after-school programming and uh, collection development. But it's not, you know, it's just, like I said, it's a small library. Um, so in the, in the morning, I uh, work at a preschool. So I work with small children teaching them. They're my, my, my favorite. I, well, I get the best of both worlds because in the morning I get to work with the little ones, but then I still get to see the bigger kids in the afternoon for like after school programming. So it's, well, yeah, it's like the kids are my day. Kids are my thing. I love oh, them. Oh, that's really great. That's really, really <laughs> yeah, great. They're really great. In the, the Little Bo Peep Lost Her Sheep uh, one, with uh, her making the stuffed animal, was that something you did from home ec and then did like your grandfather grow up on a sheep farm? Is that kind of the, the story on that? or That's the fiction part of it. Oh, so okay. yeah, the true life part of it is that I did get mugged, essentially, that after school, and I was with Jenny and Ruth, and we did, we had finished our sewing projects, and I had mine with me. It wasn't a sheep. I actually had the skunk. I made a skunk. Okay. And the, I don't know why, I'm not sure what got changed in the story. I guess grandfathers don't have skunk farms. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so I had, mine was a skunk, and we were after school, and we were, we were still very close to the school. And my elementary school was close to the middle school. And some girls from, older girls came over and they started bothering us and asked us for our whatever money we had. And so we gave them whatever, we had a quarter or something like that. But then they were just sort of continued to be bullies and took the stuffed animal. And I was not, I was not like Julie. <laughs> well, I guess in Julie in the story is upset. I mean, I certainly didn't have superpowers to be able to handle it. I froze. I didn't know what to do. I was just upset. My stuffed animal was gone. She had just taken her money. I had just been, you know, sort of, you know, like bullied by somebody. But Ruth was the one who was like, this isn't the way it's going to happen. I'm going to deal with it. She didn't go to the girls, but there was a teacher close by because as we all let out of school, you know, the teachers kind of monitor the side, you know, the area as you're walk, you start walking home because it was in school buses. But uh, she walked up to a teacher and said, those girls, da, 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 da. And, um, and so the teacher kind of took care of it and got the animal back. I don't think we got our money back, but certainly okay. got my skunk back. And I think I still have the skunk to this day. Oh. Yeah. So it was uh, thank goodness for, for Ruth who stood up for us. Good on her. It's good to have a brave friend. It is very write, good to have write, a brave Write friend. what you know, right? <laughs> that's it. Yes. So that's, that's the true, the true telling of this story, but sometimes you have to change fiction. And that's why they say they give you an artistic license to be able to, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to tweak the, to real life events. Still, it turned out to be a very good story. Yes. Well, yes, we didn't, <laughs> we didn't go after them and send them off to the, <laughs> but in your mind, if you had the powers, we were going to take those kids down. <laughs> you got it. They had to learn their lesson. But if you had a secret identity, you I... have to wait a little bit until, you know, everybody was gone and then you would attack them. That's right. And, and, yes. It, 
And we would hope that you would at least have a mask. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's important for a secret identity. <laughs> I would have just um, loved it if you had said, now the true portion of this story is that I went after these mean girls dressed up yeah. as a monster and they <laughs> freaked out. Oh, oh, that's right. I forgot that part of the story. <laughs> was, I don't think that story is very believable. Because I don't think those girls, they would not have been fooled by a actually, sheep. They, they weren't fooled by the, the monster. They actually went and took the monster down. So really, it was actually more to real life than you would think. Yeah. I guess so. I guess so. Thank you very much for your time. This has been a real treat. This is this has been wonderful. Yeah, we, thank you. It's been a very treat. It's been an, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I have to say, you guys are very nice. And Carrie, you're fantastic. Thanks. We really do appreciate this. This is uh, one of the great things in doing this. Is is kind of like, oh, let's talk about a 35 year old comic book. And but just the interaction that we're getting to have with people and having you know people like uh, you coming on and talking to us about kind of your experiences with it is amazing to us because it's not something we would kind of think of just out of the ordinary. It's like, where it's like, Oh, Hey, why don't we talk to the, the person who wrote these stories? Let, let's find out a little bit about your life. And so you coming and spending your time with us, we really, really do appreciate it. And, uh, my pleasure. I'm glad you called, Rick. I'm <laughs> called like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm also very, very glad that, you know, I, a little bit of gentle prodding on uh, your mother to say, hey, I wouldn't mind having her on the show. <laughs> I know. My mom's like, it'll be great, Julietta. You'll be fine. I'm like, okay. Oh, anyway, good. yes, I really appreciate it. And it's great that you guys are carrying this torch and holding up the power pack to keep it keep it out there for people to pay attention to and read because it's good stuff. Yeah, we, we like to say that this is the most underrated comic of the 80s, and we really do stand by that. It was really nice meeting you guys, and it was lovely going back and remembering uh, the issues of Power Pack for sure. Okay, that was cool. That was fabulous. I was so glad that we had the opportunity to talk to Juliana Jones. That was cool, guys. Thank you both for being here, and thank you both for asking our questions with me. That was really cool. Yeah, I like I like that part when you just like boop, 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 and then she's like right there. It's like short, short notice. What can I say? I got the power. I, In fact, you might even say, I got so much power, I've got power thoughts. Because it's power thoughts time now. Let's talk about the refrigerator gallery. There is some good, good artwork in here because it's June Brinkman's artwork, so love it all. But there is, of course, going to be some funny panels we see. There's going to be some good panels we see. Let's start this a conversation, a roll in here. Jeffrey, give me your funny, funny backup one, sir. My joke backup one is on page 22, <laughs> and I call it, How Would You Rate Your Experience? And this panel is in the bottom left-hand corner, and it has uh, Julie you know, kind of crashed out on the couch and getting hit in the head with a wooden block that have the uh, alphabet letters B-A-D on it. That's and that spells out bad. So I thought that was uh, just really yep. funny because you know toddlers are gonna throw stuff, oh, yeah. and you usually get hit in the the head because that's the ones you remember. Just the fact that it's an alphabet block and it spells bad, I thought that was hilarious. I like that one a lot. That is a good one and and a very good drawing as well. My funny one is going to be on page ten and oh yeah, it's the bottom panel and I call this one. Boink, because yep. boink. it's boink. Katie taking a birdie right at the bridge of the nose. So she's getting cross-eyed as she's following the birdie and seeing it hit right on the bridge of her nose. It's a funny pratfall, but you know what? I think it's pretty, pretty funny. I like it a lot. I, I get a kick out of this one. 
Oh, it's great. And just it, it was on my list. And just to specify, it's a badminton birdie. I'm so, sorry. What did I say? No, just birdie. Oh, okay. But just the because that could be a bird, maybe an ostrich hitter. Nobody wants that. <laughs> Nobody wants that. <laughs> but this one was on my list, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure Rick's gonna pick this one. <laughs> At least it wasn't a hedgehog. No, it was not a hedgehog. It was not great. a hedgehog. Now I'm worried about yeah. hedgehogs hitting me. Carrie, tell me about your funny one, please. Page 20, fourth panel, Tommy's got a hat. (laughs) (laughs) I like that one. So yeah, Tommy's in his high chair, and he's got his food plate filled with food, and he's just flipped it up on top of his head, and he's wearing a hat now with all the food streaming down. And what's Julie's look? (laughs) (laughs) Tommy is happy as can be. Yeah, he even says, Tommy hat. (laughs) Tommy hat! <laughs> Very good choice. That's a great one. Jeff, tell me about your top one, sir. My top funny one is on page 23, and I call it, I hate to see you leave, but I love to see you. Hey, get back here and put some pants on. And this is the top middle panel, and it is a freshly undiapered Tommy who's decided to go zoom out. And he's just crawling away, and it's a, a back shot of a bear baby butt just crawling down the hallway. <laughs> With Julie chasing and chasing him, and it cracks me up because it's like, yeah, that's not inaccurate with a one-year-old. Yeah, that 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 feels that feels right. That feels accurate yeah. to me too. So mine's on page six, and it's the bottom panel. I found this to be very funny. Jack is so powerful, and he's got such control of his power that he's able to actually step on his word balloon. Oh, he is. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, he is. I call that. That's an impressive power there, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is where he's uh, floating up and he's uh, just kind of like, yeah, there's something on the top shelf. I want to see it. I'm going to just hang on the wall. He's been doing a Spider-Man. He's he's got his, he's sitting up against the wall. He's got his feet up, foot on the wall. And Julie's yelled at him, take his shoes off. So he's taking one shoe off, but his foot against the wall is stepping on the word balloon. So I thought that was a pretty impressive power. Oh, that's great. You know what? I don't think I even noticed that. (laughs) The word balloon is keeping Jack's foot from the wall. Or his foot is keeping that word balloon from flowing off. (gasps) It might just pop. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That is our funny ones. Now let's get over to the good ones. The good ones. The ones we really like. Jeff, hit us up with your backup one. My backup good art one is on page 26 and I call it the Haunted Toy Box. <laughs> oh, I see it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it is the upper right-hand panel, and it's uh, when Jack and Julie are cleaning up all the toys in the front room, and Julie has created a bubble force field net and is dropping them into the toy box. And I, I love the way that Cloud Julie looks, but it, it's also a little bit of a funny one to me because it looks like a ghost is coming up out of a, a, a toy box. So, Haunted Toy Box. I like it. I like it very much. I like it very much. Yeah, but I, ju- I just love how June drew Cloud Julie in this one. She draws a very good Cloud Julie. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to page 20, which we talked about before. And we talked about uh, Tommy wearing the hat on page 20. Yeah. I want to say that my favorite picture is on the bottom panel. And that's the one that I just call ARG. <laughs> Julie is sitting there after her best laid plans have failed. There is food all over the kitchen. The kid is just covered in muck. And she's sitting there with her hands in her head, with her hands on her head, just giving up on the world. Yep. <laughs> Yep, Meanwhile, yep. Tommy's like, here, how about you? Do you want this hat? Yeah, have a hat <laughs> and upending the rest of the food onto poor old Julie. <laughs> so that was my backup best one. Carrie, what is your best art 
My favorite panel is the last panel on page 17, and it has Tommy, because Julie's handstanding, he's upside down, but if you turn the thing around, you can see him, he's correct. He's the correct way up, even his word bubbles, and then when you turn, turn the comic right side up, it's like upside down, even the word bubbles. I like that one. <laughs> it's a simple little trick, but I think it works very well, and I think it helps convey exactly what Julie's seeing. It's Julie's point of view, as we call it. Yep. Hmm, I wonder if she's actually seeing the word bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Jack's stepping on them, then yes. <laughs> Jeff, what is your top best one? Uh, well, speaking of perspective, my top one is on page 21, and I call it Tommy Bye Bye. And this is the bottom panel, and this is uh, after Julie is like, you know, the, a mess has been made, and she's like, we gotta get you cleaned up, but the, oh no, the food, my food's overboiling, and I gotta take care of it. And Tommy has just left. And, you know, Julie's like, oh, Tommy, where'd you go? And this is a, you know, front shot of Tommy at, like, baby knee height view. So it's seeing just just the giant Tommy crawling towards, you know, towards camera, going down the hall just to go get into more adventures and mischief. His head is uh, breaking into a, a different panel on top of him. And I just, I love point of views. I love that kind of like change your perspective on things and putting yourself at like below a child's eye view. Mm, mm -hmm. Amazing. I just love that. So that was my favorite one. Tommy definitely did a mic drop in his crawling out again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to get us out of the babysitting, and I'm going to move forward to page 15. Mm -hmm. And this is in the middle panels, and it's the middle right panel. And I call this The Thinking Julie. Mm. I just liked it. I kept flipping back to this one, and it just really caught my eye. I think that June Brigman did a really great job capturing full panel of Julie's face and the look of thinking and concern that's on her face. She is contemplating, you know, whether she's a kid, whether she's an adult, and she's doing it very seriously. Yeah, there's good lighting in this too. Good good lighting, good good texturing, and you can really see the thoughts, the concerns. There's a lot that's just being emoted there, and I, I just kept coming back to it, and I really enjoyed it. It's a good one. You made a really good choice. There was a lot of really good uh, close-up art on Julie's face. Yes. There really was not this. Cause, because, let's face it, this was a Julie episode. Oh, yeah, it was yeah, a Julie-centric so. issue. Yes. Uh, and so there was a lot of her thinking, and to get into that kind of contemplative thinking mode, you're going to go naturally do a close-up to get really kind of close in on a person's features to go like maybe we can exp you know express what they're thinking just on their outward facial features and yeah. yeah this issue this issue did a great job of that and this panel does a really good job with that because it does show that kind of just far away kind of thoughtful contemplative facial expression that a person would have so good choice thank you good choices all around and now we're going to insult each other so let's talk about rubber and glue moment what was the best or most childish insult in this book starting with a backup one and i'm going to go ahead and start off with it and this is on page 12 and it's it's the back burn uh, this compliment. is my top one it's yeah this is going to be a top one this is my top it's the back burn compliment that that julie's friends are giving to Alex. It's after Allison says, well, yeah, but I've got Alex there to protect me. And then Julie comes back with, and you're still alive, Allison? Amazing. <laughs> that is just such a good, soft burn. <laughs> what do you think about that, Jeff? It's your favorite one, huh? Yeah, that was my top one. I absolutely love that. I did love the backhand burn on that from uh, Julie onto, onto Alex. Just in talking to Allison, I thought that was great, yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about your top one? I think I got it covered. I think you covered my top one really well. All right. Carrie, what is your uh, funny one? Um, My funny one is 
It's on page five. Yep. Second panel. Yep, this is my top one. Numb school. So Katie is flying over towards the phone to catch it using her powers and she bumps into Jack and Jack says, Hey, numbskull, look out! Yep, that's my top one too. Hey, numbskull. Good old Jack. Jack. Yes. Good old Jack. Gives one of some of the best insults. We didn't mention yours. You had another one for your backup? Yeah, my backup is on page 23, and it is, uh, I'm stuck in the babysitting, man. I just love this entire uh, babysitting arc. This is uh, after Julie has given Tommy a bath, and she's just kind of talking to herself about how like hard this job was when she didn't think that it was going to be. And she's kind of describing Tommy to herself, and she says, He has the opposite of the Midas touch. Whatever he touches, instead of turning into gold, turns into a disaster. That is a very good simile. Very good simile. She's already practicing for her sat tests. Yes, she is. <laughs> so I like that a lot. There wasn't a lot of insults going on in this. There was, I think the three that we covered were the insults that were here. Yeah. But the only other one was uh, Jack saying, boy, you graduate and you become a queen mother. That's about it. Yeah. So there's a roughly four insults to grab. That moves us down into stars of detention. We need to identify the child who was the best and the child who was the worst in the issue. So let's go and start with the worst. Tell us, Carrie, who do you think is the worst kid in this book? I think Jack is... Sure, he gave us some good insults, but he wasn't careful on how he used his powers. I mean, he was going to make footprints on the wall, possibly, and he was going to make footprints on his word bubble, so... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's you need to read his, it. Yeah, he's stepping on his word bubbles, and that does not make him a good kid. I mean... We need to read it, Jack. Think about, <laughs> think about us. I agree with you. I also had Jack for a lot of the same reasons, too. I, I thought that Katie, Alex, and Jack, they were not really appearing too much in this. It was really Julie's uh, issue. But at the same time, I did think that of all of the all of the other ones, I thought that Jack was bringing the least amount to the party. And, and what he did bring was a little bit more on the negative side. So I mean, and when he was like... When he was passing the stuffies to Julie, he didn't even need to use his powers. Yeah, he didn't do, he didn't, no. He was just like, degravitize his stuffy. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I said that right, right but. Well, we got what you meant. Yeah. Jeff, who did you have as a, as a bad one? No, I'm right there with you. I agree. I uh, put Jack. It's, again, this was a little hard one to pick a, a yeah. bad kid because. It was a Julie show, and the other kids were, they were there sort of, but not really. They were very, very much background players. But like all the reasons that you said, Jack. I think that leaves us with the obvious that we all went ahead and said, this is a Julie story. It is. This is a good Julie story. Yes, it really is. Julie was doing a lot of contemplative stuff. She knew when she was in trouble. She knew that she needed to call her uh, siblings to help her out. She was willing to listen to advice. She was willing to talk to her mom and dad. She was good with her friends. She was all around really good. And, you know, bravo for her for accepting a babysitting job and, and going in on it, you know? Yeah, that's the reason why I chose her. It's like stepping up to babysit. We all good with that? Yep. We are. Let's grade this thing. Now, this is going to be fun here. Uh, We have the opportunity to talk to the author. We aren't going to have that influence us at all. We want to grade this against everything else we've already covered and read, and we're going to do so and see where it lands. At the top of the list, we have issue 42, Revenge of the Boogeyman. Fantastic issue. Going down to about number 20, we've got Power Pack 13, which is fireworks. Number 40, We are at power pack number eight, which is monsters. That's the first one of the Dragon Man 
uh, Cloak and Dagger little trilogy that went on. And then the last one is... X Factor Annual 2. Anybody got an idea about where they would like to see this? Of the Juliana Jones stories, I think this is the best one. Well, yeah, I'm looking right now. Number 38 is where we've got Little Bo Peep lost her sheep. So that's where uh, Power Pack 38 is on spot 38, which is weird. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. Okay, yeah. So I think it's going to get eventually bumped because I would say that it deserves to be above that. Right. I agree with you. Let's see here. Spot number 35. I'm just kind of rolling, going up a little bit here. We have Crack Up. That's where Alex discovers there's a crack problem as a schoolmate and Rip Rival die. I kind of like this one a little bit better than that one. Yeah. I could agree. Then do you like it better than uh, Power Pack number 29 where Johnny Rival with a gun? I'm looking here. We've got like all of the crack ones with Alex there. I, I kind of like this above all of those, including yeah. trash. Okay, here we go. Here's here's where I'm going to have a real question, and that is going to be Uncanny X-Men number 205, Wounded Wolf. Ooh, yeah, that is just a primo one. Yeah. It's... And and that's the thing is that is that I like this. I don't think that this is a better issue than Uncanny X-Men 205. I agree. Yeah, I, I could easily put it in the new 32. Hey, w- number 32 is on spot number 32. There's that's a handful so of these. weird that we got a couple of those things out uh, like that. But yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh, but yeah. that's a new number 32. Power Pack 45, new number 32. Yeah. Again, this is an amazing issue. I really, really like it. I love the Slice of Life stuff. Juliana yes. did a, a really good job with it. Of her of the book she wrote, I think that's the best. It's just, there's a lot of really good Power Pack stuff. So there is. There is. Th- I think 32 is a great spot for it. I do too. We'll go ahead and say that that is good to go with that. And that is going to bring us down to our final thoughts on the beer. So Jeff, what do you think of this beer? Uh, it's nice. Like we were saying, it would be a really good summer beer. It's it's really mild to drink. It's not, it's not bitter. It's not very bitter. No, it's not bitter. It's a little kind of old fruity, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Kind of like that kind of like, oh, I love pineapple juice. That's eh, a little old pineapple juice kind of a thing. So it's nice. It's pleasant enough. I would drink it again, but it doesn't blow my socks off. So I'd only give it like, it's like a, a three, three and a half for me. How about you? I'm actually going to say that this is a four. I'm hmm. pleasantly impressed with it. I've been enjoying it. I think the fruit flavors are really working for me. And it's not that hoppy. So I, I, I'm actually enjoying it. I think it's a really good, a really good beer okay i think i think i'm gonna stick on a three with this one it's good enough i'd have it again but it's not one that i would hunt down all the time that sounds fair to me Mm -hmm. let's move on then now that we've ranked our lovely lovely sippy cup by good life let's go ahead and move on to our shout out section where we like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review this is for the fantastic wonderful amazing issue number 42 which we covered in our 55th episode who liked that first issue of inferno well let me tell you aaron roush did aj did al sedano and resurrections and adam warlock and thanos podcast did okay we're not gonna keep up this did thing no we're not gonna keep doing that all right amy fox Bob Roberts, Brian G, CH0, Charles Gears, Charlie Rose, Chris, The Mighty Soup Reeves, Chris at BTO Bat Books, Cindy, Rick's Wonderful Wife, Coleman, 83214, Conan the Librarian, Damien Drought Whitler, and Yrogol32. Damien had his husband Yrogol32 recreate the picture on the cover, and he shared the picture of it on Twitter. Wow. I can just say... Wow. Dave Shevlin. Ed 209. Gibson Gray. Was not a fan of the book when it came out, but is ready for a reread after our review. Green Lantern HG. Hoover Jeremiah. 
had parts of this book seared into his mind as a kid and really loved where we ranked the book. Jeff Polier. Jeremy Daw. Jeremy Wiggins. John Bogdanov, the creator of the issue who said, Nicest review I ever got from one of the most entertaining comics podcasts. But the best part is guest commentator Carrie. He also provided us with his thoughts on beer selections we should use in the future. Keith Baker. The Longbox Crusade with Delvin the Dark Web Williams and Pat DJ Christatos Sampson. Mark O. Rogers. Matthew Birdsey. Max Traver. Osvaldo Oila. Rich. Scott Sutton Johnson. Sean and the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Rodney Dean. Rustin LF. Ruth Sutherland. Sailor Bear Zodar. Tim Price. Trans Lesbian Planet Eater. Waffles. The worst comic podcast ever with Colin Stapleton and Jerry McMullen. We have some merchandise available at Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of, well, uh, screens because everybody's in quarantine. In Portland, Oregon, if you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at JeffRickPresent, our Facebook page, JeffNerkPresent, our email address, JeffNerkPresent, all one word, at gmail.com, or at our website, JeffNerkPresent.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel at Jeff and Rick Present. And if you would like to support our show, you can do so on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are a supporter of the Heroes Initiative, and we donate 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps creators who provide us with such wonderful content. Just go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us, or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. Me and my kitties. <laughs> we, we love, love you. you. Until next time. Costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Semi-Funk. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution for Borno License. I'm going to use, quietly putting my, my beer down and realizing, wait, I have coasters. <laughs> yep. Are they what kind of coasters? Power pack coasters. Show me the coaster. You haven't seen those yet, have you? I haven't seen those yet. <laughs> Definitely. You got branded coasters. I should do those. Like my shirt. I haven't seen those. Those paper ones. Cardboard. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure you get some. <laughs> <laughs> that it was all. Yeah. Well, I don't remember Julie's bed gaining the lights. Come on, Rick. Insert Julie. No! (laughs) Dramatic. It's very dramatic. In Atlantia. Settle down, Buckethead. What else are they? Happy birthday to Julie. Happy birthday! Let's try. Let's try. Let's try. Let's try. I I messed up. Given to her by her friend Jeannie, Maggie sees this and wistfully thinks that she is glad that her little girl is growing. It's Jenny, not Jeannie. Later that night, talking with her presents. Uh, yep. Presents. <laughs> she is talking to her presents. <laughs> Julie. 
Love you, Carrie. Gee, thanks. <laughs> My heart's filled with joy. <laughs> Love and color. Woo-woo. <laughs> Having handled the kitchen catastrophe, Alex disintegrates the food of water. Flood. 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 <coughs> Flood. Johnny Rival with a gun. Hi, Dad. Hi, hey. babe. How are you, Aurora? Oh, uh, you're doing great. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm still doing my podcast, honey. So, yeah. so can we be a little quiet while we do mm -hmm. this? And then That's... the rest of it's been done. Yay! I am going to be cutting and chopping and cutting and chopping, <laughs> big time. <laughs> Rick has an interesting tempo for Happy Birthday song. <laughs>